0: back to the 2, to the 1, and the Browns have it in the end
1: zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a
2: touchdown! Not a bad start. It's
1: a gleam, man. It's a gleam. Got the snap. Looks right. Throws right. And so touchdown.
0: Anyway, this the same old Browns. You. It's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey, everyone. Welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am your part co host, Andy Lytle, and I'm joined as always by my friend and confidant did i just call you a confidant ah eh, screw it we'll go with it and obr's draft analyst mr stephen thomas what's going on stephen
1: confidant makes me feel like i should be you know <laughs> sliding <laughs> tidbits to the street to up to starsky and hush <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'm don't. huggy bear or something so which again is that's how that's how current my pop culture references are for the younger people out there it's not going to get better just get used it's, to it it's, but uh Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Another day of uh, Brown's practice, and we got a lot of people back today, which was cool to see. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we're going to find out all about that from our own, uh, the OBR's own Fred Greetham here very shortly. Guys, we have a jam-packed show for you. If you can see in the title of this stream... uh, 7.05, we're going to be joined by the OBR's Fred Greetham to get the latest from camp. We're going to have Fred for about 15, 20 minutes. Then at 7.30, we're going to be joined by Browns fullback Johnny Stanton at 7.30. Excited to sit down and talk with him. He's really flashed at camp. He's been playing Fullback, tight end, H-back, all of it. Former college quarterback. So we're going to talk to him. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then at the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by senior NFL analyst for NBC Sports, Samantha Button, who also was grew up a Browns fan. So it's going to be awesome to sit down with Sam. I've You and I both have followed her on Twitter for years. She's a really, really awesome follow and does really great work over at NBC Sports. So it's going to be cool to finally talk some Browns football with her.
1: Yeah, Samantha's great. She does great work. Um, I, I listen and watch uh, as much of her stuff as I possibly can. Excited to have her on. Of course, talking to you know, a Browns player would be fantastic. But uh, this first guy that we're getting ready to bring yep. in here now, yep, always love it when he is on. We call him the legend for a reason, folks. Uh, insight from the inside with uh, the OBR's own Fred Greetham. Welcome back, Fred. Uh, how was it today?
2: Oh, it was crazy. It was uh, after expecting kind of a, you know, big hot day, like somewhat like yesterday and it rained all day and it was like really sticky and wet. We went out for interviews and and uh, started pouring there outside. And so <laughs> we scrambled for some cover. Then we got in the interviews yeah. when it quit with G- Joe Batonio and uh, Greg Newsom. Then we went, uh, and ended up talking to Kevin Stavansky on the zoom call because it was raining and then they moved indoors. So we were indoors today, uh, you know, limited amount of people allowed to watch it, but right. as far as, um, you know, to see him, it was a big day on guys getting back on the field. I mean, that's right. for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote that in my notes, um, six six players back today that have been out most namely Tackerus mckinley you know he showed up a couple days ago coach said he probably would get back on the practice field this week and he was out there today he looked looked good to me um in what in his shape and everything is um and we they got uh, denzel ward back i got a video i mean he was rubbing up again he was so close you know the The three corners, Troy Hill, Greg Newsome, and uh, Denzel were, like, right in front of me. I got a video I posted on my new uh, Twitter, Fred Greetham 9. You can see it on the screen there. By the way, thanks to Browns fans, we got 600 followers in the last two days when we launched it. So we only got about 20 times to catch up, but – yeah. I'm very pleased with about 9,400
1: to go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, well, yeah, I had 11,000, so it's going to, but Browns fans are great. I mean, they've, they've hit everything here. So as far as, uh, Denzel Ward was back, um, Anthony Schwartz was back. Um, yeah, i besides McKinley, red wine, uh, you, had, Gustin, you had Bradley. red wine, Porter, Gustin. I mean, Gustin was kind of maybe a concern because you didn't know with the knee. Um, Jamarcus Bradley returned. All um, in all, there were six. The most notable still out were Delpit. I have one picture I put up there of Delpit, Woods, and J.O.K. He, I don't know if you heard the story yesterday in the weight room. Now, Stefanski didn't say exactly what it was But he has stitches on his forehead Said there was an accident in the weight room But he he didn't say he dropped them on himself So I don't know what all that means But he was still out He said he was fine But I guess you probably got to hold somebody out Until they get their stitches out Um, So Fields, Delpit, and JOK were were together I watched them Uh, But they're getting them back slowly, but surely uh, greedy Williams was still out. He's probably the most, uh, you know, concerning, you know, right there with Delpit because he just keeps getting nicked up here and there. Talked to Newsom today. And he's, he said he made his biggest jump after playing with Marvin Jones in the first week and said, I can play in this league. I can play with this guy. And uh, he said last week he had a big – and I think that interception really gave him a lift, you know, against the Giants. So uh, that's pretty much it. I saw JoJo Natson make a great catch, diving bomb from Baker Mayfield with Mm -hmm. the first team. They're giving him every opportunity to make this team. It's like they want him to make this team. He was running with the first team punt return – yesterday out in practice so um saw several things saw johnny stan kind of kept an eye on him you know knowing he was coming in tonight i i like what they're doing with him i really think he's got a shot being the jack of all trades you know a guy that could maybe be the fourth tight end also be a fullback you know and do other things i did see they signed kyle Markway late in the right. day he was with the team last year in the practice squad so, you know, maybe they have plans for him as the fourth tight end. Also, uh, they signed linebacker Tegray Scales from the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Got a story on that on the site. So he played in four games last year with Pittsburgh. So they're still concerned with their depth at linebacker. But those are kind yeah. of the, the hot points yeah. from today. And
0: big, big, big one. Coach for- still. Well, go ahead, Fred. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Coach still hasn't named who will play. He said he's going to wait till Friday. <laughs> no surprises <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not getting a vibe either way. You know, he kind of sounds like he might play some of the starters a little bit, but he really isn't good at tipping his hand, you know, so we won't know really till Friday.
0: Okay. Okay. Big, right. big, real quick, Steve. The uh, big, big story for me out of the last day or and yesterday, Fred is is Tack McKinley. Um, is he? Is it pretty much lining up that he'll be ready to go by on week one?
2: We still don't know exactly, but but gauging from what I saw there today, and since he was right back in practice, um, you know, Coach, when we talked to him yesterday, we saw him. You know, sometimes when they Almost always before practices, before the media is allowed, they do walkthroughs even during the regular season. Sure. And they usually skirt off anybody they don't want us to see. Well, he got caught, not saying they were hiding him, but he was still on his way back to the building and – as reporters, we saw 55. So that's when we knew he was there. They probably wouldn't even have said anything, but then Stefanski confirmed it and said, yeah, he's been the buildings a couple of days. So that was Tuesday. So that means he probably returned maybe Monday. I don't think, you know, after the game, they wouldn't have done anything, right. but as far as they didn't practice Monday. So he was going through the walkthrough then they sent him in the building. And today he was out there from the get-go, stretching and everything. Like I said, he looked in good shape. Even being three weeks away from practice, you'd be out of football shape a little bit for sure. Yeah. But he looked – he was going through everything. So that tells me it wasn't necessarily a physical thing. Right. And they never listed an injury. So you have to – you can't speculate. You don't know what else is going on. But I think that, yeah – if whatever is in his life is behind him and even John Johnson alluded to that yesterday, he didn't act in his body language told me that he didn't really know what was going on. He just said, whatever was going on, hopefully it's behind him because we need him. And that is important because you don't know Clowney, you know, he was back. He's been back. Him and Garrett are both back in practice. Um, But you don't know. And you don't want one of them guys down. You you had McKinley and you thought the three of them, well, if two of the three, then you're back to the situation last year and you don't have Olivier Vernon or Adrian Claiborne. And to date you haven't really seen a big push out of any of the younger guys like yeah. Curtis Weaver or Porter right. Gustin. They cut Romeo McKnight this afternoon. Um, and so that was part of the Marquay deal. Right. So anyway, I think I think McKinley is a big story. I mean, he's got plenty of time to get get ready to play in the opener. Um, Stefanski even said that he was he might play this week depending on how he practices. So I think they might, even if they hold the starters out, they might put him out there just to to see what they have there and get him plus he was from Atlanta he was the first round draft pick of the Falcons um so you know you might see him but as far as I think the other guys they really feel they've seen enough of them and practices and maybe maybe peace of mind they want a little bit to put them out there I did see OBJ running around uh at, at pretty much full strength in between plays all day in the field house today because it's confined so they were all close. Jarvis Landry must have had a day of rest because they were running sprints together and one little note is OBJ has been running like in seven on sevens but today they targeted him threw him a pass downfield and he caught it and everybody you could tell is kind of a milestone because he'd been running in those things but they never threw him the ball so today they threw him the ball. So I think that was kind of the unofficial first welcome back catch. Right. Love it. He hasn't <laughs> been, he hasn't been in an 11 on 11s yet, but you you think they got to ramp him up here soon. You know, if they're, and even uh, Stefanski was asked, is he going to, is he on pace to play the opener? He even toned that and said, well, you know, he, right now he's ready for today, you know? And so, they're, they're just being coy on a lot of these things. But, uh, yeah, those things pop into my mind here and there, a couple of things that happened. But pretty much the big news was getting McKinley and yeah. a lot of those guys back, even though they've been saying they're minor. You don't know they're minor till they get back out there. Sure.
1: Yeah, from what we what we saw today, Jarvis was a rest day. J.C. Tredder had a rest day. Jack Conklin was sick. Uh, the other guys that were still out, Tony Fields, Taki talkie and Michael Dunn were on the side with the bikes as far as we know. All the guys that came back that you mentioned, uh, Denzel, Tack, uh, Redwine, Anthony Schwartz, Porter Gustin, Jamarcus Bradley, all of them that came back. uh, It sounds like from what you said, Tack was full go, no restrictions. They weren't you know, having them go half speed or to, you know, anything like that was everybody else pretty much, Hey, you're back, go do your thing. Or was anybody look like they were like, okay, get out there and see what well, you can do, but don't push it yet. Take it easy. kind Well, of it's stuff. a
2: little different inside because it's confined. So, you know, those guys all did their individuals. I didn't necessarily see, you know, when they went to the corners in the team, it was like AJ green and Newsom mm-hmm. uh, cause greedy and Denzel, they didn't put him right back in there. Um, I don't think uh, most of them were put right back in there. The thing about Treader, he's kind of like a little bit like the clowny today. Cause he has been two, you know, two or three days in a row. Mm-hmm. And Stefanski said, no, it was a rest day. And cause he wasn't out there yesterday. And it was, you remember, it was like last Friday, he was rested when Nick Harris was in and Nick Harris got hurt. And so Blake Hance became the center. So that's like three or four days in a row of rest, you know, with Treader. But we know he's a warrior. I mean, all last year in training camp, he sat out the whole training camp after having surgery right before camp. And uh-huh. he started the opener and he has played the year before he played like at least the last eight games with a high ankle sprain every mm-hmm. week he didn't practice the whole week and he played right. every sunday so i don't think you have to worry about that but lately because they don't have to name it and he isn't really saying even there's got to be something because he just he did that with clowney he was rested then like 10 days you know he never right. said why and uh ward was soreness for like 10 days so yeah, Treader was was sitting out today, again, according to the coach, Russ. Okay.
1: Well, I think, you know, Treader's one of those guys um, that, you know, especially after the last couple of years, he's proven, look, Coach, I don't even really need to practice that much and I'll be out there and not only play, but play at, you know, pro bowl level type of, of, of stature. I mean, I go back, there was a guy uh, for the bears in the mid eighties. I want to say Steve McMichael, but that doesn't seem right to me. Literally didn't practice for 10 years. Uh, the whole time he was in Chicago, never practiced and was an, an all pro like six years out of the 10 or something like that. Treader seems like he's in that mold. Like, You'd have to shoot him twice. He was a good wrestler, too. I mean, you could shoot him play.
2: Joe Thomas, you know, obviously is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame, but he was like that the last at least three or four Four. years. He didn't practice all week and played on Sunday. They would see him out there, but he didn't practice. So, yeah, I mean, you earn that. And, uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, with, with Treader, they're just trying to find the guys behind him. So, Sure. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Tomorrow we're supposed to talk to the two co- well, all three coordinators, Woods and uh Woods and, and prefer and AVP, mm-hmm. not talking to Stefanski tomorrow. So um I see somebody asked yeah, about Schwartz. George. Yeah, let's get a um, few
0: questions. Coach for you. said that
2: it's not too late for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's plenty of time. He practiced today. He was held out of the team, but, um, you know, he might be a guy that gets out there, um, you know, for the game, some of these guys, you know, I think I'll say this, Davion Davis, we all know is suspended now for the first two weeks. Right. That might've been the, the best suspension ever. Yes. Because, because the Browns don't have to cut him now and he can be there if, if Schwartz isn't, you know, has to go to IR or, or Natson or, or any guy on the, any wide receiver, they can kind of stash him for two weeks, see what's going on. If somebody gets hurt, then, then add him to the roster without having to, um, cut him or put him, put him through waivers. And yeah. so, that that to me i don't know if getting suspended is a good thing but that's almost like a good move for the browns at least it seems like i don't know the downside to it unless he was and he wasn't a guy that you were planning on starting and so right. i think it's it's a that'll be something that could work to their advantage but um yeah as far as you know everything else seems to be you know, ramping up. Joel Patonio said today that he feels that the offense is close. That they've worked so much in practice, especially with the Giants. That he feels that, you know, the quarterback and the receivers are on the same page. He feels the line is all together, and their carryover from last year. He almost said like, "I really don't need to play in this game, but I'll play if the coach wants me to. Whatever they want, they've earned that." decision. And so, you know, I think everything's in good shape right now. Now it's just getting everybody healthy. And today was a big sign. I mean, I haven't seen that many come back that quick. I'd like to see Delpit and Williams, you know, for sure. MJ Stewart continues to be on the side with the hamstring. So I think he's going to make the team, but that continues to um, open up the door you know, for somebody else. Redwine really needed to get back, you know, because LeCount has been showing up. I don't know if his days are are past him now or not. Uh, who knows with Fields, I asked the coach about him. He said he didn't really know if he would be back. So he could be just, we're putting him on IR and right. the the problem is, will he get claimed if you you know, if, if you, unless you're going to use a roster spot on them, but some of them are going to be pretty precious and few, I think.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that Fields is one of a couple of guys mm-hmm. that could go on season ending IR uh before cut down day, you know, and that, you know, that takes them out for the year, but you know, Fields hasn't, pr- he missed all of mini camp. Yeah. If I remember, he missed all of rookie camp. He missed yeah. OTAs, he missed everything. So For a fifth round rookie, in you know, at the bottom of the linebacker room, it's a tough road anyway, just math wise. And if you never practice, I mean, you know, the old saying, you can't make the club from the tub. So, uh, (laughs) my guess right now would be Fields is one of those season ending IRR guys, him and Jacob Phillips. That's probably two of your not really cuts, but those are two of the guys to get from 80 down to 53 that are pretty easy would be my guess. Well,
2: they, they must be buying a little more time on Phillips because they they didn't do that, you know, would have been an easy move. Right. Um, and uh, speaking of the IR, you know, I don't know if you mentioned it. You know, obviously, you know, I had some people ask me why would they put Cody Park on injury reserve and then, you know, and then um, waive him. Cause they don't want him, you know,
1: mm-hmm. they,
2: they, if they wanted him for the future, they would have put him on injury reserve and left him there. He'd be out for the year. Um, It's my understanding. He can go now anywhere, get cleared and sign with anybody except the Browns. I right. don't think he can come back to Cleveland. So they didn't want him, you know, they, they, that answers your question. McLaughlin was going to win the job. Right. And so whether that's it or not, you know, that was an easy move for them because they were just going back and forth kind of in training camp. That pretty much sounds to me that they had their minds made up that Chase McLaughlin at least was ahead of Parkey. Now, we haven't seen anybody else come in. It'll be, I think now probably anybody they would have been interested would have been brought in. So now it might be roster cuts, you know, here in the next week. Is there a kicker cut? Some people we watched the two kickers for the Giants, and they're Graham Gano's their kicker, but the backup, I think it's Santosi or something yeah. like Santos, that. Santos,
0: yeah. Santos. He
2: um looked pretty good. I mean, so there was some speculation that the Browns might send, you know, try to get him or even send a, a, a lineman. Like, or somebody their way, if they really thought he was better than McLaughlin. So we'll see. Right on.
0: And we got to well, let's get you another question or two before we get you out of here, Fred. Uh, sorry if it's already asked, but what are the odds, Greg? Sanat makes the roster. He, he, has he outperformed Hudson and is still youngish?
2: I know they they went out in free agency to, to sign Sanat, Senate. Whatever.
0: Yeah, I Um, know. I struggle. I don't
2: think he—he's not going to beat out Hudson. You drafted him in the fourth round. You're grooming him to be your—he's playing left and right tackle. He's being tested. I think to see if—if they felt comfortable enough to move on from Hubbard. But that would be the only way I could see is if they cut Hubbard and keep Sanat. You know to go to be that like swing tackle but right um right now I think Hubbard you know is your he's just too valuable you know and um you know what you have there you don't want to throw an up and down rookie into that role you know as the backup tackle if Jedrick Wills goes down I don't think you're ready to to turn it over to to James Hudson you know as as a rookie fourth round pick um but they might think different than I do. I think that the battles are on the interior, you know, Dunn has put himself probably in in IR situation or, you know, practice squad. Um, it's all going to come down to their feelings on who is going to get claimed and who isn't. Sure. Because, you know, unless Dunn gets out there this week to practice, I don't know how you can – count on him ready to go it's a back injury we've all had back injuries and you know sometimes those things just go on and on Linger, so yeah i still think yeah i still think they're trying to decide with Hans and forbes and you know harris and those backup offensive line positions
0: got it uh what you got uh other than obr weekly tomorrow fred uh what you got going on the rest of the week my friend
2: well, yeah. Tomorrow night at seven, uh, we'll be doing our thing. It'll be our weekly, same time, same channel. Barry McBride, maybe Lane Atkins joins us. Um, we're actually, I think, going to go out and do some testing at at our site at Old River. Yeah, you know, in Rocky River, which is going to host us this year. It's going to be pretty exciting. Um, so I know that's at seven. As far as tomorrow out in Berea, follow everything I'm doing at at the new Twitter, Fred greetham Nine. Um, I got video clips. I got, I got everything soon as the coach and the players talk, we're going to talk to the players and the three coordinators tomorrow. Beautiful. We'll likely have a story on John Johnson and what he means to this team in the early going so far. um, other than breaking news, we're also talking to and Clowney tomorrow. Awesome, you know, and before practice. So there's always stuff happening like <sighs> uh-huh. crazy. It's it's like a mile a minute, you know, with with Browns news. So keep following everything we got going, and we'll be right back here getting after it.
0: Awesome, beautiful, Fred. As always, thanks for joining us, and definitely tune in tomorrow, guys, right here on the OBR Twitch channel for OBR Weekly with Fred Greetham and Barry McBride tomorrow uh fred as always thanks for joining us my friend thank you all right the great the great fred greetham everyone
1: the legend everybody insight from the inside uh always uh, telling us what's going on there he sees things that the rest of us don't yes uh so that's good uh yeah as far as um what he was saying about hubbard i think you know uh, before alex taylor and, and before hudson's show that he's He's a fourth round rookie. I think the the discussions of Hubbard being moved somewhere were more um, reasonable. I think at this point, especially since we're still in COVID and, you know, even if you're just a close contact at the wrong time, sure. you could lose two, three linemen. I mean, the situation like we had with the wide receivers last year, the morning of the Jets game it's still a possibility. So somebody like Chris Hubbard is just, I, in my opinion, unless somebody blows you away with an offer, he's far too valuable to even consider moving at this point. Um, But I think we have, we Uh, do uh, our
0: next guest is uh, looks like our
1: next guest is ready. He's ready to be here.
0: Yes. Uh, Guys, next guest. We got, we got a, like I said at the beginning, we got a packed show today. Uh, Appreciate everyone hanging out and appreciate all our guests coming on. Next up, we have uh we have the old Cleveland Browns own fullback, Johnny Stanton, who has been flashing at camp and flashing in these preseason games so far. Excited to have him on. Let's go ahead and pull him in right now. There he is. Johnny Stanton, everyone. Hey Johnny, thanks for coming on and joining us, my friend.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you know, Stephen, Steven, this is uh I'm Andy Lytle. That's Stephen Thomas, as you can see. Um Steve and I were talking and uh I brought up, you know, the theme since Andrew Barry became the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, there's been one constant theme, versatility. <laughs> it seems to be a constant team, a uh, constant theme with players he's acquiring, drafting, etc. And you fit that bill uh, 100%. You've shown it this preseason. You've shown it in camp. Uh, you were a college quarterback. Uh, talk a little bit about that versatility and that transition from college QB to, to NFL fullback, uh, tight end, H back, uh, linebacker, long snapper at your pro day. I mean, <laughs> it goes on and on. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I think you might have been one of the first people to get all of them. It sounds like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I um, playing playing quarterback in college was you know my dream. I <clears throat> came out of high school as a quarterback. I got an offer as a safety, which I had played a little bit in high school. Um, But I wanted to play quarterback. So I, you know, went to school for that. And when that wasn't an option at the school, I went to Nebraska, I transferred to play again to to play quarterback again. And finally, in my senior year, I'm not, I'm not starter. And I kind of realized like, you know, I could have an ego about this. I could have this. um, I don't know. Some, some sort of arrogance almost and decided like, you know, I could just say, screw the team and, and say that I, sh- I should be the quarterback or I can get on the field and play. Uh, and I wanted to spend my senior year on, on the field as much as I could. Um, so yeah, you know, that was kind of the start of my journey of <laughs> around the football field, I guess. Um, just trying to learn whatever position I could.
0: Yeah. Cause I read it. I read an article from the Cleveland, uh, from clevelandbrowns.com actually from last year. And they mm-hmm. did mention at your pro day, it was that's how I, I, I can't take credit for it. I, I wish I would, I would credit the writer, but it was a staff writer for clevelandbrowns.com. And yeah, long snapper, linebacker. Uh, w- wait, wait, at your pro day, what, what are the positions that you tried out for everyone? I'll let you throw it out there.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, <laughs> quarterback, tight end, long snapper, linebacker. And uh, that senior year, I played some linebacker uh, special teams. Um, and when I tried out for Minnesota, it was as a tight end before they signed me as a fullback.
1: Okay. Right. Yeah. Now I have your, uh, your college stats up here across uh, the three seasons at Nebraska and, uh, two and, uh, UNLV. I could not find your Juco stats. Uh, so oh, you, no. y- you probably know those, but uh, I, I couldn't find them. But across those three seasons, uh, Andy Janovich, or, Uh, Johnny Stanton had 196 completions over 1400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, he also ran the ball 77 times for 327 yards and three touchdowns. And we have, I was able to find Ian, if we can go ahead and, uh, uh, put the, uh, the, uh, video clip up here. I've got it. Uh, yeah, we were able to uh, find two, two touchdown throws of yours Yes, from when you were at UNLV. And, uh, let's just, uh. This first one, man, you, you stood in and took a hit. Do you remember these plays?
3: Um, This one, who was it? Whoa, this was – was this Jackson State? Yeah, it was. So this is my first game at UNLV. Um, oh, I think wow. this might have been my third touchdown of the game. And That's a oh, dart,
0: man. Look at that got, ball placement, man.
3: <laughs> I got taken out of halftime that game. We, uh, we had a pretty – had a good one. That, this one's my senior year. This was against BYU. I think it was the last game I played quarterback, actually.
1: Man, I'm telling you, those that's are darts. Great, that was a great ball, man. And you like, said We'll let it run through one more time. Uh, you, this first one here, you stood in took a took a wall. Look at up the there, look at this shot.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to learn how to get hit somewhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to throw that up for you—a little fun trip down memory lane. There, uh, a couple of that's the ball placement on that. It's just it's fantastic. Beautiful. You need to take these clips and show them to Baker and go and say, learn from this. No, I think
3: I think Baker could teach me a million things. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: That's so great. anyway uh <laughs> some people i i mentioned any Janovich because i have him in my notes here because everybody i mean it's not it's no secret you guys are the two fullbacks on the mm-hmm. roster so you're kind of in competition and there's a lot of browns fans that know that you were also together for that brief stint uh in minnesota uh with coach defense actually yeah.
3: he was with me in minnesota
1: right that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say a lot of browns fans probably don't know you played together all the way back uh yes, to, right. to to nebraska <laughs> So, but you weren't in competition. You weren't at the same position then, right? You were still a quarterback and he was a fullback at that time, correct?
3: Right. I was I was struggling to, to make my way up the ladder at quarterback while he was uh, standing strong in the fullback position.
1: Right. So you guys are familiar with each other. I'm sure you give each other a hard time in the locker room. Um, when the coaches came to you, because um, I know you said something about Last week, I can't remember the exact quote that you you'd played some tight end and H back stuff before, but they said you're just you're just going to be a tight end. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it. How exactly did that come about? Was it the injuries that led to that? And they said, hey, you know, we think you can do this. Or or um, did you go to them and say, hey, I, I think I can step up and fill a hole for this team?
3: Um, I'm trying to remember the the context for, for what you're, you're saying with the Browns.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. This week. Yeah. So.
3: This this last week um, with you know with hoop not playing uh, Harrison not playing and with David not playing uh, we had Connor Davis and Jordan Franks both guys very good <laughs> at their, their position and we already knew that Andy was going to play some of the first half so um, the coaches gave me a warning it's like you know we know you played halfback last last week um, we want you to not only continue to keep up with that but you, we also want to make sure that you kind of prepare a tight end. Um, so while I didn't get many practice reps, especially because we were in competition so much with the Giants during practice, we played a lot of our of our starters that uh, during practice. Um, that uh, I just had to basically learn on the fly and try to make sure that uh, I got to be in whatever drills I could without missing time at fullback. Um, and you know, spend time with Coach Petzig over there with the tight ends, um, just to be able to to learn whatever I could. Um, and yeah, when it came to game time, uh, they threw me in there in the second half, uh, and uh, I got lucky to be on a couple of good plays and went, went my way.
0: Yeah, and uh, thanks to Ian, our producer, for throwing up this graphic. Stump Mitchell, we got right there. What's it been like working with Stump since you got to Cleveland?
3: He's great. Um, you know, he's a staple within that uh, within our organization. He's I think the longest uh, longest tenured coach. Uh, the running backs all love him. You know they've been with him for for years now, and uh, he's intense. Uh, you know he'll get after you. He'll, he'll also be able to have a laugh with you. He's um he's a he's a great coach that I'm really happy to be able to learn from.
1: Strong is beard. the beard. Yeah. Is it even more glorious in person <laughs> than it is on our screens?
3: It's even brighter <laughs> white.
1: <laughs>
0: so that had to be something because you know when you were in Minnesota and even when you uh, joined the Browns last year. Uh, fullback, fullback was primarily what you have been used to, as at that point. Right. And we, we saw you in preseason game number one, not only playing a little fullback, you got some carries, too. And it was a lot of fun to watch. You know, you, everyone likes to watch the big, strong guy run the football. Um, well, what was your reaction when they when when coach Tefansky, I'm assuming, who came to you and said, hey, we need you a tight end this week for, for preseason game number two?
3: Uh, you know, I, I want to get on the field as much as I can, you know, uh, there's, there's not much way for me to make this team while standing on the sidelines. Uh, you know, the more I have a chance to be on the field, the, the better opportunities I have. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to do the best, the, the most I can with opportunities that I'm given. Um, you know, we got another opportunity this week just to prove that I I belong on this team and I'm, uh, we have a lot of really good players and I know how hard that, uh, that cut's going to be for. A lot of us, um, and I'm hoping I'll be able to make it onto that 53, but uh, it'll have to come after a, a, another third good preseason game. You know, I, I haven't done enough yet. I have to make sure that I'm continuing to work and doing whatever the coaches want me to do and to make sure that I'm prepared and uh, executing.
1: Well, uh, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Just talking about, I, I mean, as a fan, you love to hear that attitude from guys on your favorite team. I just want to make the team. I just want to help any way I can. And for those of us who have been Browns fans for decades – The locker room, the attitude that emanates from this locker room last year, this year, is so vastly different than what we've seen for decades. Um, It looks to us like everybody has bought into uh, Kevin's mantra, you know, want to know this week, just do your job, all all the catchphrases that Mm -hmm. he says. From the inside, is it a different feel from other locker rooms that you've been in? Is it, is it better, worse, or is this kind of the way you've always uh, been around teams that that had that same kind of attitude?
3: Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a very limited NFL experience. Um, this is my second team. Obviously, like you said, I was in, with Minnesota. Um, but I only got to spend so so long there. I, I, you know, broke my ankle in the preseason there, and then, then next year I was there for two weeks with, with practice squad. Um but of, of the limited experience that I do have and of the you know the years of experience I do have in locker rooms of, of, of football teams um you want, you obviously want to see the team buy in because that that shows you that we we have a leader that we are all rallying around um and that obviously leader is coach fancy um along with the you know several leaders that we have amongst the team we got baker we have miles we have jarvis we have, we have really great leaders on this team and it really does feel like we had a taste of success last year and it's not nearly enough for any of us, but we do know that the path to success is, is led by led for us through those leaders. And if we, if we, if we are able to follow them and we're able to get our jobs done, then, you know, there's no telling where we'll go. Yeah.
0: And it's, I, gosh, I, I love those answers, my friend. I love those answers.
1: Holy smokes. Yeah, this is uh, questions from the chat. Go yeah. ahead, pop them in there. Yeah, uh, we've got more in. questions, but if you have some good ones, here's one from the chat. Uh, when you were growing up, did you just play football or were you a multi sport guy when you were growing up?
3: I was a multi sport guy. Um, I got into football after quitting soccer, i I think fifth grade. Um, and uh, yeah, baseball was always my favorite sport. Um, you know, I played basketball as well, but. See, sorry, freshman year of high school was the first year that I tried to play. You know it was you know, obviously in high school is, it was the first year that I played all three in a high school scenario where it's that kind of seriousness. You know, um, I was never on like a club baseball team or I played a little bit of club basketball. Um, but once you get to high school, you know, it's a whole nother level, especially in with football, there's no upper level. There's no club, uh, you know, football level. Right, right. So, um, When I got to that, when I got to that, you know, you start off fall and you start even in the summer getting to learn, you know, learn more about your teammates and the kids that you're going to go to school with, the other freshmen. Um, I started to fall even more in love with football than I had previously. Uh, And we had, you know, some success that freshman year and then you move on to another sport, which I think I only had like two or three teammates to play that played basketball with me and then going into baseball you're you know you're kind of broken up and you're trying to get trying to keep those core guys together um but we had a you know a fairly big school with a pretty good athletic program so a lot of guys are kind of specialty athletes you know um and it was mainly during that spring that I realized uh there's a lot of stuff going on in football that I'm missing um there's you know there's weight training there's spring ball there's uh seven on seven tournaments that I'm not getting to work at and I want to play quarterback and there are two guys in the court, in the quarterback position, who are two years older than me. That and you know, I was hoping to be able to start this year, uh, or the the next year, my sophomore year. So that was actually the last year I played baseball. Um, I still love it. <laughs> I'm a huge Dodger <laughs> fan. Sorry, Indians fans, but um,
0: that's okay. I, uh, I lived in L.A. for 15 years. I'm from yeah. uh, Northeast Ohio originally, but yeah. So I, I I got a little Dodger love in me.
3: <laughs> yeah. No. I, so I I still have a lot of love of baseball in my heart. Um, a lot of love for basketball as well. Um, even though I was a undersized rebounding powerful <laughs> <laughs> hey, um,
0: Ch- Charles Barkley was only like six, five, six, six. A lot of yeah, people don't well, realize it's that. <laughs> that. <laughs> it's
3: true. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, I, I love, I love being able to get back to it when I can. Um, but obviously football is the one that really took over and really took my heart.
1: Right on. Well, you know, there's a lot of discussion about that. I'm sure, you know, you you probably try to block out a lot of media, but you bless you, you can't block it all out. There's a lot of discussion over, you know, kids specializing too early these days and they should they play multiple sports or should they not and all that kind of stuff. Do you think your time as a multi-sport athlete even though it ended after your freshman year, do you think that ultimately helped you uh, get to where you are today?
3: Yeah, you know, without the really specific training that I had, you know, getting ready for pro day or um, in college and all all that kind of stuff. I really felt like I was at my quickest without having to really train for it while I was playing basketball. And it's for obvious reasons, you know, your basketball quickness is key. You know, it's, it's, it's really the thing that allows you to become one of the top players on the, on the court. Um, and that's just one example of the many skills that you can develop across several different playing, playing several different sports. Um, I think you get a an eye for strategy as a basket as a baseball, baseball player. Um, I think you just develop a toughness for other sports when you're playing football, amongst other several other tough sports. You know, sure. um, yeah. You know, personally, i I think that playing multiple sports for as long as possible is the best way to do it. Not everybody gets to, but not everybody gets to be the Russell Wilsons, um, the Jameis Winstons of the world who get to play, you know, really high a really high level multiple sports. Um, Kyler Murray, obviously. Um, so at some point, you know, I did as well, like you have to choose what sport you're going to be in. And, but I think high school is probably the best, best time to do that. I don't think, uh, as long as you're loving it, I don't think it's, there's any reason to stop, um, stop playing different sports until, you know, halfway through high school or so.
1: Sure. Now I've got a question for you about, um, uh, fullback in the modern NFL, but since you, uh, we've been talking about high school here, I have to ask you this. I came across this nugget. I, I'm sorry. You're probably tired of it. In high schools, you got nicknamed Johnny Tebow. Now, yeah. where did that come about and, and how did that happen? Can you explain that to us?
3: Yeah. You know, it's not much of a secret that I was probably running through guys more than around guys in high school. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, as a dual threat quarterback, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't amongst the, you know, the guys who ran a four or five and the 40, um, right. I, and you know, Tebow was was big time when I was in high school and in and, and middle school and stuff. Uh, it was, and going to like a Catholic school, um, it kind of had the same sort of themes where uh, I uh, emulated, I tried to emulate him as best I could on the football field. Um, and I ended up getting that nickname amongst uh, some of my classmates uh, on the field. And it was actually pretty cool. Last week I got to meet him for the first time. Um, oh that's awesome that's great yeah i told him you know there's when i tore my acl in high school my senior year uh i through going through rehab i ended up getting a postcard from his foundation that was um written by him and uh basically saying you know keep your head up keep keep working and and get better uh and i let him know like you know you don't remember this uh you don't remember me but i just want to say thank you for this little thing that you did for me what 10 years ago um so that was that was cool, cool to be able to meet him finally
0: that's a cool story steven i think you had a question about fullback
1: yeah. yeah uh and everybody knows the rules have changed over the last uh, you know eight ten years pretty drastically to favor the offense uh in the nfl it's more spread out there's more of you know what years ago would have been called college offenses it really is no different not that much different anymore um and so there are some people out there that wonder about the future of the fullback in this league what is it like, to, uh, what do you think the role of the fullback is, not only on this team specifically, we know Kevin likes the fullback, but in the modern NFL, and do you see it changing, and do you see your path changing at all over the next five years, ten years as far as the NFL?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, as someone who's fairly new to the position, or in the, only in the last four years, uh, I don't know how, uh, if I can be an expert at necessarily answering that, but in in, in my own opinion, I think there's. I think there is there's a path to success for the fullback position if that's a you know a thing, um, uh, for both being the traditional, you know, hard nosed downhill fullback, while also being more of the versatile, athletic fullback. Like kind of if if there's two different paths, which I don't think that necessarily has to be. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be both, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're if you consider it more of like a fullback versus like an H back. Uh, I think there's there's a way to be really good in this league at being both. Um, you know, watching watching film uh, throughout the week, you see great fullbacks all around the league who are, you know, just really <laughs> giving it to the linebackers and DNs and safeties of the world. Right. Um, and then you see guys who are making plays, uh, you know, downfield and you know catching balls out of the backfield and uh, you know, like, like I said, I want to be I want to be both. I want to be both the guy who is you know, the defense fears hitting and the guy who's able to, to run, you know, 10 yards after the catch. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. So I know I I, I, I was, I was about to finish. It's just, I think, uh, I, I think that they're becoming a better athlete is obviously what everybody on the field wants to be able to do. And there are, you know, it's. Athletes have become more advanced and more athletic, I guess, in the last, what, 50 years or so. Mm-hmm. And As long as that path keeps moving forward, fullbacks will have to obviously have to, you know, follow that path as well just as receivers do, just as running backs do, just as quarterbacks do. And I don't think it's necessarily as as dire uh for the fullback position as it might sound even though what there's like less than half of the NFL teams that carry one.
1: Sure. So I guess a follow up would be do you consider yourself uh, more of a traditional fullback or more of an H back like you said or do you really think you know? Hey, I'm a guy that can do whatever you want between those two positions.
3: Yeah, you know, I like, like I said, I think the fullback position ha- has to try to do both, um, and that's some. I, I want to be able to do both. Uh, I want to like I want to be able to be the guy who is able to go down on a lead, you know, a lead block, and, and you know, try a <laughs> pancake the other guy. But I to I want to be able to you know help the team in the in the pass game as well. Sure. Um, so I'd say right now I'm, I'm doing my best to develop both parts of my game.
0: And you, you brought up athletic athleticism and it was right on cue in the pre, this, this past weekend's preseason game uh, general manager, Andrew Barry was, was in the was in the booth and there you were right on cue in the slot ran a great route, created separation, made a great catch, man. So (laughs) what, what, what did that feel like to that play in particular? I'm sure you remember what play I'm talking about. Uh, how'd that feel, man?
3: Uh, you know, it it felt great. Um, I was honestly pretty tired after catching a ball on that previous play. Sure. And then, (laughs) um, and then, you know, getting, getting the call in the huddle for the next play and like, okay, we'll now have to run a seam route. Um, (laughs) I I better recover quickly. And then, uh, you know, they gave a. You know, you have to for a seam route. You got to check out how many safeties there are, and we knew that the Giants like to move their safeties around a lot. I found out that it was one high, so I'm trying to keep it, you know, keep it, you know, just, just inside the numbers. Um, was off, knocked off my route just a little bit, but tried to recover from it, and obviously Kyle found me, uh, just, just at the top of the numbers, and for a nice little game.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. It was so funny because it was right on cue, and uh, Andrew Barry was 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 giving you praise, and then bam, there you are great catch great separation it was just it was perfect uh here's a question we've all been waiting for best burger you've had in the land since you've been around man
3: yeah, it's not I I up on the screen and i was nervous about answering because like there's only so many places that i've been able to go to sure. with you know, the pandemic happening right it's necessarily a, a, a like a burger specific place that i've been to sure. uh in the land yet in terms of like sandwich style things or like kind of burger adjacent. Um, There's some really, there's some really good stuff over at Ninja city and at Gordon square in Ohio city. Um, They have these like kind of uh, hot bun kind of, um, I forget the name of them, but, it's very good. Anything over there is, is very good. That's one of my favorite spots.
0: Sounds delicious. Well, we've gone over a little bit. If you don't mind, we'll like to keep you for just a couple more minutes. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before, before you got out of here, and honestly I messaged, uh, I mentioned it when I, uh, when I uh, DM'd you this morning on Twitter. Um, I, I I noticed that you were part of a cause in June uh, with, with athlete allies and you ran a campaign uh playing, playing for pride. You want to talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I broke my ankle in 2018, um, I was sent home to recover, um, kind of just do physical therapy on my own and fill up the rest of my time. However I wanted to. And I realized that I want to make sure that I'm making the most out of basically this whole year that I have off. Um, so I got involved with a couple different foundations. Um, the first one is the Jesse Reese Foundation, which I had used for my um, my cause, my cleats last year. Uh, they were a <coughs> um, a family who who was pretty. Like, I actually had never met them before, but they actually went to my high school. Um, they were very involved with the with the swim team over there, um, and they uh, through uh, the course of their family history, they got involved with um, pediatric cancer um, care. And uh, sending toys to to courageous kids who are battling uh, pediatric cancer. Um, that's something I got became very passionate about. And I kind of decided, though, that like, why stop at one thing to be, be passionate about and be and to try to support? And um, that's when I realized, you know, there's not a whole lot of football players who are active allies um, to the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I wanted to, you know, hopefully be the start of of that change. Sure. Um, so, I've attached my name to that and that's something that I'm uh, absolutely 100% supportive and, and want to be, uh, I, I want to be very visual and vocal about that support just because just doing that is, makes it makes a difference, showing that there are allies and there are, you know, people who are supportive of you in different communities can make a big difference.
1: Yeah, especially for the younger kids, uh, especially for teenagers who often feel, you know, uh, isolated and alone, regardless of their personal situation. But especially in that situation, uh, just knowing that there's somebody out there like them that they can talk to. That's a great that's a great cause. And I'm absolutely uh, And and you make a great point.
3: It's um, LGBTQ youth drop out of sports at, I think, over twice the rate that any other uh, youth does. So um, it's it's something that is is very sad that there are there's a whole portion of our of our population who feels like it's not uh, that sports itself isn't something that they feel safe in. So I want I want anyone to who wants to play their favorite sport to be able to feel comfortable doing so.
0: Absolutely. And, and honestly, athletes like yourself being outspoken about it and and supporting those causes, it, it, it really does go a long way. And even a uh, f- uh, current NFL player and former Cleveland Brown, Carl Nassib, uh, coming out recently, uh, I think things like that. Um, I hope more st- things like that happen because and it makes a difference. It, 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 really does. it really does, and it takes a lot of courage for Carl to do what he did. And honestly, it it it, it, it shows a lot about your character um, that you support these causes and you're outspoken about these causes. And I I I just think that's wonderful, man. And honestly, as obviously. I asked you, we asked you to come on this show because you've been flashing at camp and, 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 in preseason. But what sealed it for me is when I read your pin tweet, I was like, okay, this, this, this dude is cool. I like this guy. So,
1: and uh, we appreciate you, man. We really truly do. So to wrap it up, uh, getting back to football here. Um, yep. I'm saying 17 and 0, and the offense averages 42 <laughs> points a game. Um, am I, am I undershooting that? I mean, tell us from the inside is, am I too low on those?
3: You know, we have a very explosive offense and a stout defense, you know, we're looking really good at practice and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say any numbers, but I'm, uh, I'm very (laughs) excited for the season.
0: I mean, we're, we're, we're excited. No pressure. I'm sure you already know. I mean, this is this is the most anticipated season for Browns fans since probably 1988. I'm just throwing a year out. That's how long it's been. Uh, it hasn't been great for, for, for the organization and, and Browns fans for the last 20, 21 years or so, but uh, uh, it's great that this turnaround is happening. And, and on behalf of myself, on behalf of Browns fans and the OBR, I want to wish you a, a best of luck this season, a best of health, and truly, truly appreciate you coming on, my friend.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. I well, awesome. Man. Back anytime and uh kick some butt on Sunday, man. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny Stanton, everybody. Brown's fullback, Wow. Back, tight end, uh, probably backup long snapper, emergency quarterback. He probably fills the water. He can he can fix your pads. He mows the grass. And dude he, does everything. And his biceps so are bigger than yours. <laughs> Like biceps are bigger than me <laughs> so.
0: great job that wow what what a what a good dude man like seriously what just a good dude you know it, it's one thing he's a damn talented football player we all know that but it goes more than that he's a damn talented human being so
1: yeah and we didn't even get to show let's go ahead and show i mean we didn't even get to show we got a couple of his runs. yeah and the one great catch against the giants uh we didn't even get to throw this yeah. Uh and have him uh, look at it. He's got a great blitz pickup coming on this next. This one right here. Uh it's a, it's a tremendous blitz pickup. And then then the great catch against uh the Giants to wrap it up here is yeah. the next one. So yeah. I mean you look at the rowdy run, you look at the hands here, you look at the separation. Oh, it, this, I th- mean,
0: this was I think yeah, that well that wasn't the play I was talking about. It was the, I think it's the play it's right after that play, I believe. Yeah, uh, back to it was For back a to the guy
1: back. who's two fifty plus. I'm
0: glad you guys enjoyed that. Appreciate it. A lot of great job, you guys. Y'all killing it. Good gig, guys. Best interview. Appreciate you guys. It's it's That was a lot of fun, and I hope, I'm hope i glad you guys enjoyed it. We're not done yet, guys. We're going to have Samantha Button, uh, senior analyst for NBC Sports, join us here in about five minutes. She's supposed to show up at the 8 uh, o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to sit down with Sam and uh, talk a lot of things because she grew up a Browns fan, and, you know, there's obviously some, she's got to be a little subjective, but I tell you, she ain't very subjective on her Twitter timeline. Um, but she's great. All that. look at
1: that. That's awesome. Look at That's that. uh, D Whalen. That is, that is high praise. Juice chick is uh, uh one hell of a fullback. So uh, I tried to find a spot to pop that up while Johnny was still with us. Couldn't find a, a an appropriate thing, but I want to show that to everybody else. That's that is high praise right there. Um, so before Samantha gets back in, uh, we can go back and uh, and touch on a little of what we talked about with Fred, uh, with Fred. Yeah. If you guys have any questions about uh, camp today, practice today, it was thanks good to see Odell is uh, is ramping things up. Uh, that was good to see. Um, the fact that Tack came back and from what Fred told us was basically full go and looked OK, looked like himself. That's just tremendous news. It's absolutely tremendous news because we've been all worried, you know, for two weeks, three, two and a half weeks, however long it's been uh, that he's been out about the the rotation, the depth at edge. And now it, you're looking at attack being your third edge that puts Porter Gustin in competition. He's probably my, who I would say is leading for your fourth edge. They might not keep any more than that. You know, they may because of the log jam in the IDL room and the fact that guys like Malik Jackson and we think Malik McDowell can both go outside right. in certain sub packages. They may keep six defensive tackles uh, uh, at least on the initial 53, yeah. and only four edge guys. Um, the, it, the other guys, Cameron Malvo, Joe Jackson, it makes, um, it makes uh, sense. Deirdre, they've been fine. No, nope. they haven't really. Yeah, they're, they're, they're,
0: it, it it makes I'll, sense yeah. to me what you're saying. Yeah. Malik Jackson has has a long history of being able to kick outside. He's right. shown it his entire career so no i'm right there with you dude
1: yeah you know and uh, with those other no disrespect to those three names no. that i just said but w- at least one or two of them probably will make it through waivers they can bring them back on the practice squad and if they don't there's probably going to be edge guys cut from other teams that are available that are you know roughly in the same level of of talent that can mm-hmm. come in and be your fifth edge if you want to or you know, keep them on the practice squad, that kind of thing. So we've been talking about the 53 and, you know, how many, you know, how many interior defensive linemen are going to get cut and there's seven of them and there's only four spots. They could keep six, you know, so yeah. they, if, they, if that's the way they decide to go, I think a lot of it hinges on Malik McDowell. Everybody says that if he puts together another strong outing against Atlanta like he did last week and he maybe even takes another step forward. I think somebody will come up with a mysterious injury in that room. Maybe Marvin Wilson or Tommy Togiai to go on season ending IR. Sure. And then they can keep the other six, at least on the initial 53. Uh, and then sort of you know work around however things fall uh, after that. But uh, that was good to hear uh, from Fred that Tack yes I like had no restrictions and wasn't no. half speed or yeah. it sounds like whatever it was it, w- it really was a family yeah who who wasn't knows it, it was yeah it was not injury
0: related which is good not that <laughs> what he was going through was good either but. Right. But just, you know, that he's able to get back out there and he's not it's not going to hinder him. And and, it, and it, you know what? I don't even you know, I, I don't even want to speculate. But if, if it is something else and it comes up again to him for him during the season, you know, I, I'm I'm very sensitive when it kind of comes to that kind of thing. You know, I, I deal with mental health. business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I, I just wish the best for him because uh, he's, he's had a hell of a road to get here, um, you know, so. Yeah, that's a good point here by uh by by Dangler. That's a great point.
1: That's a thing to keep in mind. We said this the other night, and uh, Jeff Lloyd had me unlocked on Browns last night, and we said the same thing. Uh, The initial fifty-three will not be the fifty-three when they line up against Kansas City. That's the way it is every year. And some of the decisions about who makes that initial fifty-three is not necessarily about who's for the best. The best for the job. It's about who has a better chance of getting through waivers. Sure. Um, because, yeah. you know, certain guys you can get back. Certain guys you're pretty certain that you're going to get back and put them on the practice squad. Other guys, I, I would be very surprised if Marvin Wilson or Tommy Togia makes it, or Sheldon Day makes it yeah. through uh, any kind of waivers. So it's hard to move on from those guys. Um, so unless there's a trade, unless they find somebody who wants to trade for, uh, you know, Jordan Elliott, or I, I'm picking names at random here. I'm not trying to tip my hand that I know any inside information. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that, uh, uh, that to keep in mind when you're talking about the initial and not just for this, that we're also talking about the end of the wide receiver room, the end of the running back room, the end of the offensive uh, offensive line room, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it all has to come into to play when you're talking about the initial 53. Sure.
0: No. And, uh, you and, um, you, Fred brought up a great point too, um, about Davion Davis, uh, you know you know, you never like to see someone get suspended, but it, the timing works out. It, I, you can't help, but think that it benefits the Browns in their decision-making, you know? So it, it should be interesting. I tell you, I still this wide receiver room. And I actually, I wanted to ask, uh, Johnny about Dimitri Felton. What, what, what he's seen from him and, you know, practice and whatnot. And I, I didn't get a chance to, but, uh, it uh, looks like um we we we're, we're, we're going to bring Samantha in, in in here in a second. Um, I I think I this wide receiver room I just can't man. I'm glad I'm not making these decisions.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, from the from the front office's decision-making standpoint, the Davian Davis suspension does ease their burden a little bit because if you look at the depth chart right now, it's not nearly as heavy as it was two weeks ago when we were talking about all these guys. Um, they really only have one or two guys to move, uh, sure. depending on who they keep at the bottom end of that. So um, the fact that they can basically, they get a two-week extension. It's like filing for an extension on your taxes. They get a two-week extension on the decision for Davion Davis. So, you know, they move him and let's say, just pick pick one. Let's say it's Jamarcus Bradley that, that doesn't make the cut. But then in the week one against the Chiefs, Carol Hodge turns his ankle or or – you know, uh, Rashard Higgins hurts his knee. Something, I you know, whatever. Or somebody's not happy after those two weeks for whatever reason. Well, now they can make a move, and they they know that Davis is basically there on speed dial to bring him back and be at the uh, end of that wide receiver rotation. So you hate to ever say that a suspension is a good thing, and the fact that it was, you know, uh, DUI is you can't ever condone that under any circumstances. Uh, but. From a timing standpoint, from a football standpoint, from a roster decision standpoint, couldn't couldn't have happened at a more fortuitous time. To be real honest, absolutely. So, yeah, it it sort of works out for them. And yes, uh, dad bod. Yes, they did say that they knew this was coming. Uh, The the uh, the, it was two years ago that it happened. The case was adjudicated, I think, in January. I think I saw today. So this was the first opportunity that the NFL had. Yeah. Uh, to respond to that and, and give some discipline. So that's why people have asked, why is he getting suspended now for something to happened in 2019? Well, that's why it's got to go through the court system first. And sure. this is the first season, that the time that the NFL has been active since that happened. So,
0: all right. I think it looks like uh, Samantha's ready. Um, our next guest is a senior NFL analyst for NBC sports. And she grew up a Browns fan. Uh, she is Samantha button. We're going to bring her in right now. I think she's ready. There she is. Samantha, it's been a pleasure following you on Twitter all these years. It's finally great to sit Hi, down. Guys. Hi. I followed you all these years on Twitter. It's great to finally sit down and uh, talk some Browns football with you.
4: Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you guys. I can't believe we've never talked before. This is so weird. I'm glad we're finally remedying. Yes.
0: we're, 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 we're It's finally here. The time is here. And uh uh, we kind of just want to, I, as as I mentioned to the uh, live stream, watching. Um, you're from Cleveland originally, correct? Correct. Yes. yes, and you grew up a Browns fan, correct?
4: Born in, I was actually born. I I did. Yeah. I did.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what has this been like? Uh, we all know what we've been through the last twenty years or so. Uh, what's this last year and a half, th- this turnaround, kind of meant to you, I guess?
4: Well, I mean, there's a surreal quality to it, right? Like, you can't quite believe this is happening to you, or mostly you just spend all of your time waiting for something to go wrong, because as we have <laughs> all learned, especially those of us who are, you know, a little on the old side who remember being kids during the the last time the Browns were anything that, oh, it doesn't really matter if they're good, something is going to go wrong eventually. So, you know, on that super sunny and positive note, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited. I For my entire career, the Browns have been terrible. And this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to be kind of on the right end of things, as opposed to my colleagues, you know, mercilessly tormenting me for sticking by the Browns all these years, despite the fact that They've been pretty bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, it has not been easy since I
4: started in this industry.
1: Yeah, and I yeah know. So this is the first year time you've been able to wear your Browns gear and walk around Manhattan without uh, walking in fear, right? <laughs>
4: I pretty much. I mean, New York is. It's not really an. It's a much more aggressive, like baseball fan base than football. Uh So you know, Indian stuff is actually scarier than brown stuff. Mostly the brown stuff. People just look at you and they're like, "Oh, poor you." And I'm like, "You're Jets fans. Like, you you can't say anything."
1: (laughs) So as you know, we just had Johnny Stanton on. So uh, when we start talking about this team, this 2021 version of the Cleveland Browns, let's just go ahead and start there. One of the questions as we're all sitting here debating the 53 from the outside looking in is, are they going to keep a fourth tight end? Are they going to keep Janovich and Stanton and have him be the fourth tight end? Are they going to keep an extra you know, wide receiver or an extra offensive tackle? Your thoughts on uh, that part of the roster battle as it stands here today.
4: Well, I'll start by saying I, would like to see Johnny Stanton stick around that is super cool that you guys had him on tonight. So, oh, he's very awesome. Fantastic dude. You know, I, ah, so cool. So cool. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. Absolutely. But yeah, I I wouldn't mind keeping a fullback. I I think I would probably rather keep an extra receiver rather than an extra tight end, which has a lot more to do with the available talent than anything to do with how many you're carrying any given position. So yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, it's, I guess, probably how I see that going or how I hope it goes. But I I think some of that is going to depend on, I mean, we have one more preseason game, I guess, for people to prove themselves or not prove themselves and a little bit of practice left. But I would feel a little bit better with the extra weapon there because I guess we're I mean, I think we're fairly certain that Odell is healthy for now, but can't hurt to have the insurance.
0: Definitely not. And we were just talking about that wide receiver room before you came in. I mean, it—they're it, going to have some big decisions to make with the uh, with the emergence of. Uh, I mean, you throw Demetric Felton in there. I mean, he—he was—is he a running back? Is he a receiver? You've got. You, you, you We we know we've got. You know they've got OBJ Landry DPJ. Those are locked up. Then you have Hollywood Higgins at fourth, who has been Baker's safety blanket and super reliable. And then after him, you've got Kaderil Hodge, who has played very well at times, been super efficient. Uh, And Davion Davis has been lighting it up in the preseason. They're going to have some big decisions in that wide receiver room, aren't
4: they? Yeah, and a file under good problems to have. I mean, we're (laughs) not that far off of where we couldn't fill out a single position and
2: crew fully,
4: so I I like the Colt and and Hodge and Schwartz and you know the Anthony Schwartz hanging around there as well so and you know Higgins I think probably goes without saying but like tons of talent there and I just, I don't know, I'm excited, it's it's really nice to have to choose from a number of talented players and say hey somebody's probably not going to make this roster than before when we were just essentially looking for bodies just to have enough people to fill a 53 who really had no business being on an
1: NFL roster absolutely Uh, the other spot that people are talking about as I'm sure you are well aware is the defensive line specifically the interior and uh the guy that everybody's been talking about especially since he you know dominated the guy across from him all day Sunday is Malik McDowell um a month ago he was considered extreme long shot hadn't played in you know 40 years or However long it's been and, and, you know, coming off of an injury where he missed most of the summer and couldn't practice and everything. And now it looks like, especially if he does another game in Atlanta like he did Sunday, that it's going to be almost impossible to keep him off this roster. Your thoughts on uh, big number 58 making his way back from the NFL interlands?
4: I sort of some sort of disaster against the Falcons this weekend. I don't know how you let him go. I just don't think you can justify it. I mean, obviously had to really, really kind of adjust our expectations for him when we were first looking at the rosters coming into camp, kind of, he was one of those guys you looked at and went, okay, this is a courtesy invite. Oh, they're going to give him a shot, but mm, probably not. But I think he's played his way into a position where I I just, I don't know how you justify cutting him. If you do, somebody else is going to pick him up. You got to find a way.
0: Yeah, and, and Stephen, you've said it many times. Jake Burns has said it. A lot of us have said it. That talent was never the issue with uh, with McDowell. And you know, I'm look. I I want people to turn things around, and I'm rooting for the dude. I, I am absolutely rooting for this player. I, I think it'd be a great story if he can, you know, just turn his life around and and actually, because at this point, he was an A grade prospect when he was coming out. And you know he's already cost himself millions of dollars, and he's got a really great opportunity here to get some of that back if he continues to play like he did. Now, granted, it was against second, third, and fourth stringers, but man, there was some there were some downs in that game where he was absolutely dominating. So, I, I I'm hoping, but nothing but best for the guy. Um, uh, what 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 are kind of your? I guess if you had to have one goal as a Browns fan this year, what, what's one? One step that the Browns need to take, Samantha, if you had to pick one step, what is it?
4: I think it's the defense coming together as sort of a cohesive whole, particularly in the secondary. But, you know, it's a new unit, and there's all these questions about, oh, how quickly can they gel, and can they get it together? And kind of, you know, we all point back and look at the Buccaneers a year ago. I mean, They were a mess this time of year at the beginning of the season, and look how far they came. So it's certainly possible, I think, within the framework of a single NFL season to Go from a unit that is not very familiar with one another that is having trouble getting on the same page and by week 17 or week 18 uh, this year now um, to turn something that is potentially a in the playoffs, if not Super Bowl caliber unit. So it's to me, it's that side of the ball. Um, Obviously, we want to see improvement across the board and of course we want to advance further into the playoffs and that's the other you know well how far is what is success at this point you know how far do you have to get and it's like well of course we would all love to go to the super bowl or win the super bowl or what have you but to me it's really more about well if, when if you lose like let's just say we okay if we don't win the super bowl this year sorry everybody i not win the super bowl this year um how do you kind of go out if you lose a very tightly contested, well-played game against a Kansas City team or a Buffalo team in the AFC Championship where you feel like you've done everything that you could do, then I guess I'd feel pretty good about that, assuming that everybody is kind of playing up to their potential and we're saying, okay, you're young, you got a lot of chances left. Right. But that's what I want to see out of the Browns in a sort of general sense.
1: And that's a good point, especially as we head into week one. Um, and I've said this a few times, and I think you'll, you would agree with me that going into Arrowhead for your first game is a tall order for even a team as talented as the Browns. It's just a tough place to win. They're, they've been to the Super Bowl two years in a row, not cause they're lucky. It's because they're really freaking good. So I, I liken it back to something I heard Mike Krzyzewski say years and years and years ago. And he said, if you play well and lose, don't get caught up in the loss. If you play poorly and win, don't get caught up in the win. And it sounds to me like that's what we should do. Uh, and I wanted to see if you thought um, the same as fans when they go into Kansas City is watch the process more than the results. Not that we don't want them to win, but if they go in there and they put forth a good effort and Kansas City is just the better team that day, then so be it. Now they go in there and look awful and they get beat 48 to nine. That's a different story. Shut but up, Steve. As long as they play well week one, it really doesn't matter where they, whether they <laughs> win or lose. As long as they're, uh, you think you're the first person to tell me to shut up today? Come no, on, I'm married. Um, but, uh, it matters where they are week 17 and heading into the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure you would agree, but let's, do you feel the same way as we head into Arrowhead for week one?
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, these matchups are, a lot of this is driven by media and TV and who do we want facing off in week one of the season? So I think it's, it's sort of flattering to be put into a game like that because these are the teams that the league and the networks think are going to be around at the end. They want to kick it off strong. So that's kind of how you land in a matchup between Cleveland and Kansas City right off the bat. And yeah, you're going into Arrowhead. That's a tough game. I mean, week one's weird, right? Like I always tell people, like, please don't bet on games in week one because it's chaos. Like, you ever been in, like, a pick'em pool in week one? You're going to get half the games wrong, even if you know what you're doing, because everything <laughs> is crazy, and it doesn't really mean anything. And I always go back to when thinking about this game – that game between the Patriots and the Chiefs in 2017, the first week of the season, where the Chiefs just really, really manhandled the Patriots and everybody went, Oh, the Patriots are washed, they're over. That that's that's it, that's it. Patriots are done. And of course it was the Patriots, not the Chiefs, that ended up in the Super Bowl at the end of that season. So a lot can happen. It's a long season, but I yeah, I mean, if they like you said, if they go in there and they look awful, then then I think we have to re-examine where we're at. But if they go in there and and lose a a respectably fought contest against Kansas City, no, I don't think that means much in the the grand scheme of the season.
0: Sure. Um, Browns just recently, uh, a little over a month ago, about a month ago, uh, extended Nick Chubb. Uh, They have other players that are eligible for extensions, uh, primarily Denzel Ward, uh, David Njoku, and obviously the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Um, What do you... Where do you kind of come out on that? I know it's, I always see people debating it on Twitter, on, 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 on all the media outlets. Do you, do you give them extension now? Do you wait? Uh, where are you at? What would you prefer for that Baker Mayfield extension talk to play out?
4: I think they're in a good position because both sides want the same thing. Baker wants to stay and the Browns want him to stay. So that makes it a little bit easier and a little bit less urgent. And that makes me think that you should prioritize guys like Wyatt Teller, who aren't necessarily married to the idea of staying a Cleveland Brown forever. Maybe you work on that first. Also the salary cap is going to explode next year with new TV deals. It is going to go up significantly. So no reason for both sides, not to kind of wait it out a little bit and just see kind of, where we're at, what they can do for Baker, what he can get out of a contract that he might not get now. And I know that's oh Josh Allen signed a contract, the clock is ticking, but I just don't think it needs to work that way. And I think the, the because the relationship is good between the two of them, he's probably not the person that you go with first because they're gonna get a deal done.
0: Yeah. I'll 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 cap that question off with do you expect do you or do you expect or do you think that he's gonna take his game to another level this year?
4: I think he will. Yeah. I I think this is a guy who really kind of gets out there and wants to be better every single day. We've seen so much change in him just since he joined the Browns. And obviously a lot of that is because he's finally in a position where he's not having to learn a new system every single year. And I think that's going to make a huge difference for him. It's 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 "Ah, amazing. It's amazing. You don't have to completely relearn the offense. It's a miracle. (laughs) So (laughs) certainly that, but he, he, I mean, he also strikes me as a very driven person. I mean, he's done a really good job of kind of, I think, balancing out that sort of passion and competitiveness with being a good leader and being a little bit tempered about it. He was a little bit sly off the handle-ish, if I might make up a word or make up a phrase here (laughs) at the beginning. And I think he's done a good job of um, sort of keeping that kind of intensity while being a little bit smarter, a little bit more measured about it, setting a good example for other players. So, yeah, I think there's room for him to improve there as well as on the field. And he's certainly not a guy who you have to push to do the work or to be motivated enough or what have you. So, yeah, I, I expect Baker to be better for all of those reasons, but especially... Because now you're in year two of improving within the same system, which is just so different than what he's had to do every other year since he came into the league.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you know, part of the growth is wh- exactly what you said. He's in a, He's in a familiar system. He's in a system that supports his strengths. And he's at, he's got a front office and a coaching staff who he knows he can trust that have his back. And also, like you, you alluded to, and you were nicer to it, nicer about it than I have been, he he's grown up a bit. I mean, and that's just normal for anybody at that age, but especially somebody that comes in uh, to the NFL as, as with as high of expectations and as much success, Uh, you know, they always say you got to knock the rookies down a little bit and boy, did he get knocked down a little bit. So I think he's learned from that. I think he's come back from that. I think he's a far more mature leader. Uh, And I think I'm with you. I think he's going to just blow the, the roof off the place this year. Uh, within the confines of the offense, just because of the way Stefanski's offense is, he's not going to throw for fifty-eight hundred yards. It's just, it's not going to happen. Uh, and you got twenty-four behind you. Who's going to be have the ball in his hands most of the fourth quarter? But uh, Andy talked about the uh, the contract for him, and he mentioned the other guys. And I wanted to get your opinion on this because. Everybody seems to think it's, you know, it's a game of musical chairs and there's just not going to be enough seats for everybody, whether it's David Njoku, Denzel Ward, Wyatt Teller, Ronnie Harrison's deal is up after this year. There's a lot of guys. I mean, heck, if Jadevian Clowney is happy, maybe they try to bring him back and he's not a one year rental like everybody says. If you had to pick one of those and this is kind of a dark question, but if you had to pick one of those, who do you think is still standing without a seat when the music stops?
4: Well, I mean, Clowney's kind of the the easy answer, right? Because he was sort of not part of the framework of this team. Although, if he plays well, and we all forget because he's had so many injuries and he's moved around a bit, he's only 28 years old. So he does play well, I don't know how you don't pay him. So that seems a little bit, I don't know. I mean, Wyatt Teller is sort of the one who you think he's probably the most likely of the whole group to choose to walk. But again, if they can afford to pay him... Like, we're talking about a really different situation than we were in the last couple of years where it was hard to get guys to want to come there, hard to get guys to want to stay in Cleveland, and that's right. no longer the case. So I highly doubt anyone is going to be leaving, at least not out of this group, because nobody there is going to be starved for playing time. Um, look, you know, I don't know what happens with I mean, Denzel Ward is certainly, I think, an interesting case. Although, again, you know, I think this is somebody who wants to stay. So, it may just kind of come down to well, when you run out of money, and, and I think Paris and maybe, you know, those are probably the best candidates for it. Sometimes I just think it's about who might be the most replaceable for this particular coaching staff or this scouting staff. Who do they think they can replace at a lesser cost? But again, you know, it's the salary caps a little bit of a myth, right? Like every year we look at the Saints and over and over. Oh, they're in cap hell. Oh, how will they ever even sign their draft picks? They're going to have to cut all these guys. And then they go out and sign a free agent because poof, like you can move money around if you really need to, to kind of get things done. So I'm not saying you're going to be able to retain everybody, but I I think that if guys want to stay and if you want them to stay, then really it's not as difficult as sort of the dramatic presentation of all the salary cap stuff would indicate to keep, most of the guys you would like to keep
0: yeah absolutely so so far this preseason and training camp give me one player that has been a surprise to you and one player that's been a disappointment
4: okay let's see um Richard LeCount um really like what I've seen from him that's a bright um, spot he's able to stick around kind of on the bubble and like huge yeah huge bright spot a couple of really nice interceptions I, I he's a great ball hawk i big fan of the the safety group so i am very very excited about him i, I hope he gets the opportunity to stick around I, I think there is space for him on the roster and i'm hoping the browns agree with me on that so yeah i mean i i think he's been great i oh boy it's hard to pick anyone who's a disappointment i mean there's like a part of me that wants to be like oh thanks a lot cody parkey for getting injured but you know chase mclaughlin is Fine. I mean, they're they're kickers. I, I hate to say it because they're such an important part of the team, but it's also not that hard to replace one. So, you know, I, I'm not sure I think I there's anybody who I'm really comfortable saying, oh, this guy has sure. just really stunk. I mean, the tight That's end fair. group has not been wonderful. I, I will certainly put that out there. I mean, Hooper... But I, then again, I, I don't love Hooper. I, I didn't expect that much from him to begin with. So it's sort of, I guess it's meeting expectations. But yeah, I, I guess the, the tight end group is, is what I would go with if pressed there to say, yeah, they, they've not wowed me. I've not been super impressed.
0: With, with, with that being said, do you, do you see Najoko maybe surpassing Hooper throughout this season?
4: I think so. Um, I, some of that, I think, is going to depend on sort of where the Browns are at on that and how many opportunities he really gets. Sure. But I, I, think if he's given the chance to, I think that he could. And and we've, I mean, we've come a long way on that, right? I mean, this is a guy who was asking for a trade what a year ago yeah. or whatever that was. So yeah. there's a little bit of redemption to be had there. But yeah, I don't see any reason why if he gets the opportunities to get the ball that he couldn't be the guy who surpasses Hooper. I certainly think he's a guy with a far higher ceiling.
0: Absolutely.
1: I, Give I- us uh, uh, one surprise move. Uh, you know, I don't want to say bold prediction because we always do that. And that's, you know, kind of an overused phrase, but something that uh, will happen between now and cut down day, or maybe the you know, a couple days after cut down day, um, could it be a, a surprise cut, a guy that surprises on the 53, maybe a trade, a low-level trade or something like that that's going on? Give us one surprise move that you think just might be in the cards here over the next 10 days or so for this team. He can
4: I be can be a, like a little bit of a homer for your show guest and say, I think maybe Johnny Stanton gets a chance to stick around and gets a real opportunity <laughs> to kind of be part of this football team and be a contributor i'm saying it because this is what i want and so i'm trying to manifest it by suggesting that it will be true
1: (laughs) do you think okay that, that brings up an interesting question and i've had this discussion with a couple of people if they keep johnny stanton what does that mean for andy janovich because yes he would technically be the h back or the fourth tight end or whatever but really it Keeping two fullbacks on the roster, I I don't know if that actually happens. What what do you think would happen?
4: Yeah, I think you have to kind of shift the role for Janovich if you're going to do that, because this is 2021 and like not 1989, so we're not keeping two fullbacks. What would you do with them? I mean, as, as much as I love fullback involvement in an offense, and I wish we saw more of it. It's just not realistic in a modern offense to say, okay, well, what what are you going to do with two fullbacks? So there would have to be a little bit of movement there, which I I think is possible. And we talked at the beginning of the show about perhaps adding to that tight end group if we have some roster spots kind of hanging around there, and that's maybe that's the way you do it. Instead of sort of taking from the bottom of the tight end pool, maybe you shift that a little bit and possibly then there is a role for both of them. It's I think it's a long shot for that to happen, mm-hmm. but who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens when we get down to cut day. I mean, it's, it's again, you talk about these guys who, boy, you know, if everybody shows well throughout the preseason on, you know, this game against Atlanta is going to be really important. And then whatever happens in the rest of practice is, is there a way you can keep both of these guys if you're just talking about, well, we want the best athletes, we want the best football players, we can kind of move them around to suit however we need to to fill out a depth chart
1: right and you know i'm also leaning more and more the last couple of weeks towards everybody has said and i was among them uh since the summer that felton versus Demetric, uh or i'm sorry de ernest johnson was uh, a battle for running back three i'm actually starting to lean more and more heavily towards they're keeping both of them because they're both weapons and they both do different things and that of course would have some sort of impact on the fullback room. And if Johnny Stanton takes it because they think he can be the fourth tight end, then maybe Andy Janovich gets squeezed out or an an extra offensive tackle gets squeezed out. It's so great. These are like you said, when you first came on, these are rich team problems, Uh, but it just, it makes your brain hurt because (laughs) you know, the fullback room is connected to the, to the running back room, which is connected to the linebacker room, which is connected to the knee bone. You know, it's, it's crazy to try and think about it. So uh, rich team problems are something that, uh, that we're going to have to get used to around here because they are going to be winning a lot of football games, which leads me into this uh, probably our last question because we kept you a little bit longer than uh, we thought. Uh, go ahead. Give us your record prediction. We ask everybody that comes on. We didn't ask Johnny because we didn't want to put him on the spot, but we ask everybody who's not on the team <laughs> to give us a record prediction uh, for the Browns this year.
4: So I think this is tougher than it has been in the past because we have the extra game and we don't know what equates to what. So, like, what's the new 11 and 5? You know, is the new 11 and 5 12 and 5 or is it 11 and 6? You know, like, how does right. the math work out? So, I mean, to me, like, if I actually go through the schedule and start counting, like, I I think it's 12 and 5. But mm-hmm. that is sort of taking into account that you're probably going to win one you're not counting on winning and lose one you're not counting on losing. So it all kind of comes out in the wash. And I also, some of that is just the optimism of like, okay, what do you think it's going to take to win this division? I, I feel pretty good about their chances of winning this division. And certainly, certainly of getting themselves into the playoffs. So, and I think what it's going to take is probably going to be 12 and five, but we don't know, you know, is it, I mean, is it now 13 and four? Is that what it's going to take to win the division? And can they step up in that way? I mean, I think certainly as good a chance as anybody else is the Ravens do of taking it, but I keep landing on on 12 wins every time I go through the schedule and go, okay, well, what if you change this and what if you move this around or what if they lose this game and win this game? And I keep coming up with 12. So that, that is my unofficial official <laughs> prediction for the season.
1: I'm,
0: I am here for that 12 and 5 record. I would think 12 and 5 <laughs> might win that division. And uh, to me, I, I think that's, I think that's an important step. I want to win the north. I want to win the damn North. I've never done it. Because these aren't the yeah. these are not the same old yes. Browns. Anyone who says same old Browns, you—that's right. Samantha, <laughs> let me ask you: Would the first time you ever saw that infamous video of me, did you think, "A, who is this drunken idiot?" Or, "Oh my gosh, that's pretty funny."
4: I, I thought I love this guy. I love this guy. This guy is so Cleveland right it was perfect this is just exactly why like cleveland fans are like a little nuts they're like yes. a little crazy but they're super super loyal and they believe and i love that so it was like the perfect like oh this guy is so brown so, yeah. like and every time i see you on twitter every single time i think about that video and i start laughing because it was outstanding
0: <laughs> it's it's funny cuz every time i see you on twitter i think of the list that you have the fired mm-hmm. list do you want to explain what the hell this little list is that you've been... I swear I, th- I, f- I saw you first tweet about it maybe a few years ago, maybe longer. <laughs> what is this? Please explain to us and our audience what this list is that you keep.
4: Okay, so for for Game of Thrones watchers, the easiest way that I can explain it is it's kind of like Arya's kill list, except we're not actually advocating to kill anybody here. It's yeah. the people I'm trying to get fired list, and it started off just as like an analog joke you know write it out on a piece of paper with a pen terrible handwriting take a photo of it post it on the internet so and i was just kind of screwing around one day and and it was just like you know what like i'm i know i believe this was probably was it hugh jackson I, I think actually i think it started before hugh jackson i am not even sure it's the, the you know, there, there have been so many but um it started just as a like, okay, like here's a little cute analog joke. But people really liked it, and I wasn't planning to do it again. And then the next year, people are like, "Well, who's on? Is there a list? Is there a list?" <laughs> okay, so now it's become the annual tradition. We, we, took a year off last year because it felt a little bit insensitive to insensitive to, how, to be advocating for people to lose their jobs during a pandemic. But how
0: sweet of you! Since the
4: world has bounced back. The <laughs> list is coming back this year, guys. So. <laughs>
0: I'm excited. <laughs> I, I know every time I, and what was so, funny is some of the, yeah. See, we're, we're all to work. So, <laughs> yeah. and what was funny is some of your list came to fruition. It like mm-hmm. actually happened. That was the best part for me. I mean, not that I'm wishing someone to lose their job. And some of the names you ha- had on there, it was funny that like that, that particular name, like obviously bugged you. Like, I just thought that was so funny, but uh I'm just glad I've never been on it. Yeah, it's it I mean, an accomplishment for me. Yeah. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Well, Samantha, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um go ahead, get your plugs all in, uh tell the people where they can find you and uh it's been a real pleasure talking with you, but get all those plugs in.
4: Oh, yeah. It was so great talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, yeah. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter, just at Samantha Bunton. Um, you can also find me on Three and Out podcasts. We put out two a week. You can find us on iTunes. And of course, I am professionally obligated to tell you please, Sunday Night Football. I doubt there is anybody who doesn't, but. Right. It's, uh- Bye
0: uh, soon. Sounds good. Thank you First so time. thank you so much for joining us, Samantha. We appreciate you, and uh, I'll see you on those Twitter streets. And uh, I look forward Thanks, to, Samantha. look forward to your next fire list.
1: <laughs> Bye,
0: Samantha. Thank you so
1: much, Samantha Button, NBC yes. Sports guys. Uh, what a good night. Uh, this has been a great night. To yes, sport, it has. Uh, great night, there's, uh Some uh, conversation on the uh, uh, offensive line going on in the chat there. Um, Uh, if we want to stay on for just a few, where, where did it go? I saw a good one. Oh my goodness gracious. But yeah, that's another spot uh, that you guys have been talking about the offensive line. That's another spot where the bottom of it is going to come down to a, who can do what? Uh, I think Nick Harris, we mentioned it the other night with, uh, with uh, Jeff Lloyd that I think Nick Harris is doing a disservice to him. Well, not doing a disservice. He's, he's a center only. Yeah. And that unfortunately, that he's a center and, only. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfortunately, his family taught him one position. Um, <laughs> but I think that that does put him in kind of a bind because everybody else that's fighting for those backup offensive line spots has at least shown the possibility of versatility. Even James Hudson, who a lot of fans are down on right now, I'm not sure what everybody thought they were going to see from a fourth-round rookie being thrown into the upper echelons of the league, but I think he looks exactly like a fourth-round rookie going out there trying to learn two positions at once. So he can play both uh, tackle positions. He can play a guard. Michael Dunn can do that. Blake Hance, we know, can do that. Uh, Drew Forbes supposedly can do that, but he needs to step it up. or he. I think right now he is the odd man out uh, in that offensive line backup uh, battle. But uh, a lot of interesting conversations, a lot of interesting decisions that are going to have to be made. Um, And again, like with everything else, a lot of it's going to hinge on Sunday in Atlanta, not only health-wise, obviously, if somebody gets hurt, obviously that changes the equation, but just how they perform. And, you know, it's not like Atlanta is – Super Bowl competition I, that we're going to see, or anything like sure. that. Sure. But people well, say, and I, I wanted to bring this up when people say this about Malik McDowell, too. If you're going up against second and third teamers, you should dominate. Them. Yes. If if you are the guy. Yes. And that's what Malik McDowell did. did. Okay? If everybody else on the defensive line was crushing the Giants offensive line, then we would say, "Oh, okay, it was just a level of competition. The Giants yeah. backup offensive line isn't that great." But right. nobody else was really dominating mm-hmm. on a consistent mm-hmm. basis like he was, and that's why it stands out. And it's the same thing for the offensive line going against Atlanta here on Sunday. Yeah. They're not, you know, the fearsome foursome or the purple people leaders or any of these other really old defensive lines that I'm aging myself with again (laughs) here too. But if they're not, if they're the bottom half of the NFL, you should go out there and make them look like that. And if you don't, that's going to be a mark against you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this was, and speaking of players that are going to be playing for their roster lives on Sunday, that. Johnny stands another one of them. We just had him on. Um, you, you can't help but pull for the guy. You know, it, yeah. you, you really can't, uh, as I said, a really damn good football player and probably even a damn, even more better human being than he is a football player. So, um, should be interesting. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, seven o'clock. We have the OBR weekly with, with, uh, Barry McBride and Fred Greetham, On Friday, we're going to debut the OBR Roundtable.
1: Well, we've also got something special tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell them. At 8
1: o'clock after OBR Weekly, uh, James Williams, the writer for the uh, Orange County Register, basically the beat guy for UCLA football who covered Demetric Felton during his time there. He's going to come on with us, talk about Felton's time at UCLA. Uh, How he thinks he'll translate to the Browns office, what he's like from so far. Sure. uh, And try to give us a little bit of an insight, too. We'll probably spend a couple minutes talking about the circus uh, that under Chip Kelly out here in. in uh socal but, yeah uh, that'll be tomorrow night after obr weekly
0: yeah so we got uh you know how long is that going to go 30 minutes to an hour probably
1: i think so i'm not sure it's okay to, I, he's, he's found a hole in his schedule i've been trying to get him for a couple of weeks and sure he's been gracious enough to find a spot so however long he can stay absolutely uh, that's how long we'll keep him
0: and that'll start at eight o'clock following uh obr weekly which starts at seven o'clock with fred and and barry so that should be a lot of fun tomorrow and then friday we have the debut right. of the obr roundtable what we're going to do with the OBR roundtables guys we're going to do those every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern it's a matchup Brown's matchup roundtable we're going to have a full staff of the OBR and it's going to be a fully awesome production show Uh, Ian's going to be producing it I will not be there on Friday but Jake Burns is going to kind of host that for us and a lot of the people at the OBR staff are going to be there and then obviously on game day on Sunday uh, we're gonna, we you know, we're gonna have pregame and postgame. Should be a lot of fun. So, lots of uh, content coming your way as we inch towards the season. And trust, trust us, guys. We're ready for it to start too. I know you guys are ready to go. But guys, I hope you all enjoyed that show tonight. That was, um, that was a lot of fun. Johnny Stanton, fun. Johnny Stanton was terrific. Samantha Button was terrific. And thanks to the great Fred Griefen for joining us. Thanks for Ian for popping in and producing during that uh, Johnny Stanton segment. Appreciate you, Ian. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for hanging out in the chat, asking all the questions. Thanks for all the new follows, the uh, Tier 1 subs, the Prime subs. Appreciate you guys. Uh, We're going to be back live tomorrow, like I said, with OBR Weekly, followed by Steve's interview. Uh, What's the gentleman's name again? I'm sorry. The gentleman? Uh, Tomorrow, James Williams. James James Williams, thank you. That'll be on at 8, right following OBR Weekly at 7. Until next time, guys, we appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one. Go Browns.